You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 139. All right, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we talk about building a successful, friendly local game store. Brandon, you're back on. You're back. I'm back. I'm back. back you couldn't keep me away all summer yeah. long. We were trying to put this together. We were putting this, trying to put this together all summer. And yeah, it's been a lot of like rescheduling and figuring things out and crazy stuff happening in the world. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, but we made it. We made it work. Here we are at last. I'm stoked to yeah, be here, I'm, I'm, and I am excited. I'm glad that we're 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 uh, having this conversation again because. I had mm-hmm. a lot of fun the last time. I think we'll have Same. a great time again at this time, especially with uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about. So this is more of a uh, generalized what's going on in the uh, in the industry kind of conversation. And sure. uh, for the people who are uh, listening to this at some point in the future, this is recorded during the summer of 2023, uh, mm-hmm. which will probably go down as a crazy time in terms of change in what's happening. And uh, yeah, so... I really want to talk about Lorcana, Lorcana, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Everyone says it differently. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the official terminology is, there were, I, that's the like the hot button issue right now is this ongoing drama that is. Uh, it it is the hotness, and when um, in the ramp up, we we knew it was going to be madness. So so Lorcana is the Disney card game. Just in case in case somehow. You're coming into this. You don't know what we're talking about. Lorcana is the the kid, the the the, the Disney collectible card game, uh, and on some level, it's like the biggest thing to hit collectible card games since Pokemon. It has that weight. Um, it has For that sure. anticipation. But- it has that brand recognizability. Boom. Yeah. Um, and in the run up, we knew it was going to be, we knew it was going to be a tsunami. We knew that. Uh, and it's just turned out to be, uh, I, I, I was hoping when I just kept waiting for release day. And I was like, please, once release day hits and everybody gets their cards, it's going to be over and we can just go back to normal life. <laughs> and we, and that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen. No, <laughs> did not happen. That, that was just the spark that yes. really started it because leading up to the release day, people were like, oh, you're already, you know, it's going to be Okay. Buy your cards, get your stuff, pre-order. Prices will be, you know, be fine. Or like, just wait for the wave, the second wave, or whatever. Second like, don't wave. buy your boxes from the scalpers. You know, like, oh, <laughs> stay away from those people because the, uh, you know, the next batch is coming and it'll be fine. And then, or you know, Target and Walmart and those guys, they're going to be selling it super cheap at MSRP. You should buy from them. Like, that's where you're going to be able to get it. But uh, yeah, for people who uh, are listening to this at some point in the future and didn't get to live through this time, which was very exciting. <laughs> the, the context of the game is like, it's, it's like, I guess what, what do we describe it? It's like a mixture of Pokemon and magic. And mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's a not so competitive version of those kinds of games, right? Like they're not meant to be high level organized play, or at least it, it doesn't seem so right now. It's much more kid friendly. Yeah, I mean, I think that what uh, Ravensburger, if you ask me, 
As I wasn't in the room, I don't know. But if you ask me, based on what we've seen from the product, it seems to me like Ravensburger's goal was to make a game that anyone could enjoy because they have this IP that appeals to an incredibly broad swath of people. You've got like little infants that are involved in this. You've got grandmas that are involved in this. Everyone in the middle want is going to want like a Lilo and Stitch card or whatever, right? Yeah. It appeals to a very broad base and i think that they wanted to make a game that could like where you could have a kid that's like eight years old teach their grandma how to play and then they could kind of dink around with it at the table right which is that wouldn't what an admirable goal that sounds that sounds fun that sounds like a fun thing that you might want to do on a summer afternoon sure and mission accomplished too like at least from what, what i've seen my experience with it is that it does seem like they've made a reasonably approachable and fun like introductory card game that does have that appeal to a very large group of people, partly because of the brand and the IP and, you know, just Disney being Disney, mm-hmm. but like the mechanics of the game are simple enough that it is something that almost anyone can grasp and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, that's great, but that's great. also part of the problem. Ironically <laughs> enough, they made it so good, or at least they made it so broadly appealing that like everybody wants to get a piece of this thing which is part of the part of the problem. Well, there's their story. Ravenberg's position is is that they didn't understand what the um, demand was going to be, and then they went to this Disney convention that they have been holding out in Burbank for the last few years, where it's kind of a, it's it's it's, it's kind of like a trade show, but it's also a convention, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have full convention vibe, but it doesn't have full trade show vibe. And I don't think it's really broken into the consciousness of gamers the way like Adepticon or Gen Con has. But it's a big deal. They pulled it every year out in Burbank. And it's just Disney showing off what they're going to do for the next year, right? And so they had they were like, oh, hey, so we're doing this collectible card game. And these guys, Ravensburger, who make a bunch of our games already, are going to make it. No problem, right? And people lost their minds and were freaking out. There were cards you could get that had the little, a little icon on it saying that you got the card there. These cards are, of course, now worth buku bucks on TCG Player, etc., um, because they are they represent the the tip of the iceberg, the most the most limited of this thing that has turned out to be incredibly limited. Now, Ravensburger has been doing they do villainous, right? The yeah. board game, the D, the mm-hmm. Disney board game. So you can imagine that as a company, they had what they would consider to be internal metrics on how something like this is going to sell. And they would think to themselves, well, this is how this sold, and this wasn't bad. The villainous, the villainous line of products is fairly popular as a board game, and you could probably project based on that. So this was a misprojection. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't understand that there was this other group of people who were going to ravenously consume this content. Um, in trading card game world, there's a number that gets floated around. I don't know where, like, what white paper this came from, but uh, there's a number that gets floated around that says that 80% of Pokemon cards are consumed by people who just collect the cards. They don't actually play the game. They just collect the cards. So if that's the case, you're dealing with a much larger group of people than, for instance, the villainous board game, right? And then hence, now we have difficulties with supply versus demand. 
Yeah. And then it's all magnified as well by the, the speculative nature of things. And like, I, I think it's, I don't know what the future will hold, but you can kind of draw a trend line back in time to think, okay, there were a lot of people who were, uh, you know, on the ball when Pokemon was released in 1999 and they're like, this is going to be hot. You know, I'm going to like, I'm going to make some money on this thing. But most people were just like, oh, Pokemon, that's awesome. I, I love Pokemon. Right? Pokemon it's for kids. Yeah, this is perfect. I remember when it came out as a kid being super mm-hmm. excited, not because it's going to be worth a lot of money, but just because like, oh, I, I like playing card games. I like Pokemon. This is a marriage match made in heaven kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like those turned into like insanely valuable cards, right? Then they followed the model of magic, right? Like if people knew what was going to happen to Pokemon or what people knew what was going to happen to magic, you know, in 1993 when they were printing Alpha and Beta, mm-hmm. those cards wouldn't have gone anywhere. Right, they would have been like, and they go right into my vault, and they just Mm -hmm. stay there, right? And then in Mm -hmm. like fifteen, twenty years, these things are to be worth hundreds of full what they're going to cost me today, right? Great investment. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The problem is, we've seen that, right? People have seen, okay, magic, they blew up, right? Everyone knows, you know, certain magic cards are worth an insane amount of money. Same as Pokemon. Everyone knows that first, like base set Charizard you know hollow blah 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 gem mint and stuff is is worth an insane amount of money right people are now like well if lorcana is going to be the next big thing or lorcana whatever if that's going to be the next big thing then why would i like move these things right all of this like there's this big speculative like i should just hoard this stuff right if that's the base belief then there's nobody playing for these or nobody's playing these cards right a lot of these things are just going straight up into they're going into the slab they're getting graded they're getting pulled out of the circulation which again magnifies the problem because there's not much of this stuff out there anyway <laughs> there's there's not nearly play. enough stuff to meet the demand sorry, yeah, this yeah, is like, for, so yeah this is for a microphone sorry <laughs> uh, uh there's there's not enough to meet the demand and so like okay so here's the deal with lorcana and the word got out on this very quickly is that the base set was sold out before it was released. Okay. So what does that mean? Because sometimes the consumer doesn't know what that means. That means that every box that came out of Ravensburger and went to a distribution hub was accounted for every single one. That means that unlike Coca-Cola, right? Where like I sell Coke out of my fridge and then I call up Coke. and I say, I need another Coke. And they say, it's on the way, Right. You can't do that with one at a time. <laughs> it's all gone. It's all yeah. gone. Every single one, which that means that if you're a speculator, the alpha set is, I mean, this thing is like the rarity on it. The self reinforced rarity is, is incredibly huge. You can just take a sealed box and just put it in your garage and just forget about it. You can just forget about it because in, in, in 10, 20 years, that sealed box, that box of potential is going to be worth hundreds of times whatever you paid for it, even if you paid more than market price. And that's kind of where we're going with this, right? Yeah, that's this, <clears throat> that's one of the factors that's playing into this is that <clears throat> is that if even at the things that are right now, you know, the uh, was the MSRP was like one hundred and forty four dollars for a booster yeah. box or something like that. Very reasonable. And then, the whole discussion around what msrp actually means you know especially when it comes to the average consumer uh but that that's what it was set as but the current market price is somewhere between like 400 and 450 dollars like that's that's roughly what like you can 
sell the box for those don't stay on the shelves at that price point either but because of like the expected value of each booster pack like that's how it works out and that's insane like that's already really high but but you factor in the fact that like even at that price it's probably still a really good investment if you're just thinking i'm going to speculate i'm going to hold this Mm -hmm. it's still probably worth your time to go get one of these things and the i think at least uh one of the the things that I've seen online is the sentiment is like if this continues, the game will die, right? Right. Which it, we're strangling the the whole nobody can play and nobody can enjoy it, and like right. the organized play program doesn't really matter if nobody has cards to play with, mm-hmm. which in part is true, but that doesn't mean that the value of the of the set's going to go down because again, collectors, speculators, like yeah, they derive their own value in some cases that's not derived from the playability of the cards. So even if the game yeah. died, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I don't I, I don't have a case study to reference. Um, I mean, I think that like here here's here's my take. My take on it is well, okay, if you if there's a choke point at the front, the 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 thing is is that there's enough interest in the Disney IP and enough investment that's been put in by Ravensburger that they'll be able to get out of this log jam, right? And then they'll they'll, yeah, up, they they'll up their numbers. It's not like the game is going to just sputter out in the next three months, and they're they're already adjusting. <clears throat> they're already adjusting expectation. So, so we know, and, it, and this this gives those speculators a extra boost on the front end, where they're yeah. like, "Well, we know that this product is going to be here in ten years." And you go online, people are like kind of screeching and being like, but what if the game dies? And it's like, but it's not gonna, right? And that is such a safe bet. That is such a safe bet to say that it's not gonna, right? Now, I see what you're saying. There's a possibility that it could still have collector value because it's like, oh, here's this game that came out and lived a short life, and now you're never going to get these things again. I think I don't know that it retains its radical growth potential in terms of value if that happens. A living game, successful game, obviously far more important, and like the long-term value of these things will be mm-hmm. amplified by that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like Disney being what it is, the collector is mm-hmm. not caring necessarily about the viability of the thing. They just want the thing, right? They just like want just the thing. Certain Disney things are just incredibly valuable, mm-hmm. and that if this thing just sort of like putters out, and there's only as much as they put out there for the situation or for the timeline where they're printing it, that like. And, I don't know if that's how it would play out, but I feel like that would be another amplifying factor that maybe that would just keep the value going and keep it rising into the future. But again, part of the problem is looking at the game as an investment versus looking at it as a game. And like, there's two different mindsets, right? Because there's a whole series of feedback loops and uh, problems that come with speculation and investment and like the mania, right. Of thinking Mm -hmm. that like this thing is really good and money comes in and then, that rises the price and people are like oh it is good and then like that keeps this you know insane uh insane price cycle like going right yeah but eventually that, that that bursts at some point but uh but in the meantime right now what <laughs> we're living meantime. through yeah <laughs> is there's so much happening and partly because of there's just so much hype and it's such a, a unique restriction and they so like you said like they so misunderestimated Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you say it. They underestimated how much demand there would actually be. Like that is like the foundational, you know, point that caused this massive chain reaction. In the meantime, we're trying to run game stores, 
and we yeah. have people we have real people not just like kind of archetypes that we imagine on the internet but we have real people that are coming into the store they have kids with them and they want to buy cartoon cards okay and how is it that we as the mediators of this experience are responding to just extremely volatile forces right because mm-hmm. and we're discussing about the we're discussing this in kind of the run-up right um you have the the online community and the mania and on some level sort of the backlash that has like manifested towards the idea of the game towards the people who are selling the game yeah. right it, the the outcry has been huge the outcry has been huge and it's created a lot of tensions between game stores and between people who just want to buy the cards they just want to redistribute their wealth so that they can get cards but my 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 thing since i'm here since i'm on the show and i have a microphone in front of me this is just what i want to scream out to the world so that if somebody hears it is that there's no winners here okay there's no winners there's a lot of people on facebook or facebook groups or on the internet talking right now about ravenberg conspiracies to create value about game stores creating price hikes to fleece customers uh speculators rinsing the market no one's winning right now this is a terrible situation for all of us ravensburger did not want to make a game that you couldn't get what in the name of God yeah. makes you think that Ravensburger sees this as a win? Like, and then, and then, as a game store, we are trying to get you the product. We are trying to create communities, but then we have these additional forces that are applying pressure to us. And it's like, so what are we supposed to do, right? Like, like not only is there this very, I think, kind of interesting and and somewhat, I mean. I, the, the 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 points of this philosophy are up for debate, but there is a there is a, a segment of the game store community that says, "Hey, we invest in like three or four new card games a year, and three or four of them go belly up every year, and we lose money on them. And right now, we're kind like we're kind of trying to make up for some of that, right? We're like 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 yeah. on some level, Lorcana is paying for the failures of like My Hero Academia or something, right? Sure." Is that fair to Lorcana players? Like, no. But, like, also, when somebody is in a position where they're like, oh, it's a hit, and I can actually recover money on this, do they have a certain, Mil- a certain like, Milton Friedman obligation to recover money on this, right? Or do you want to create, essentially, like, a sort of authoritarian compound of yeah. out of your game store where you're like, next in line, move forward. You may select two packs. Those are your packs for the day, citizen. Get out of here. See you tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's no winning here. This is a terrible situation no matter how you do it. You know? I mean, no yeah. matter how you do it. You get, if, you, if you just say, we're going to sell at MSRP and we're going to and there's a, number, a pack per day limit, then you're going to get people like these kind of Fagin-like characters coming in with like a whole chain of kids. Each kid has a $20 in their hand, and you're, and you're just going to be like this. You're just going to be like, okay, all right. You know, I'm not, 
I'm not stupid. I understand what's going on here, you know? But they're they, playing the game, right? They're playing the rules. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm yeah. sure it's all for their fun. I'm sure they're being dragged around to every store in the Valley area of, because this is what they want to do with their spare time. You know, I mean, anyway, go ahead. I, I've held forth for quite a bit. What's your, what, what's your retort? That is the truth that there's literally no one that is happy about the current situation. And yeah. I think as, I think there's a there's a tendency for game store owners to pay more attention to the negative voices in their community than to the positive or the generally happy. Mm-hmm. And like that's a universal thing, right? The the people who are going to be angry and negative, they're going to spread that far and wide even though 9 out of 10 people are totally satisfied and happy with everything that you're doing. You just mm-hmm. don't see them, you don't hear from them as often, you know, like it just you you naturally pay attention to the negative stuff. That's an evolutionary thing because the negative stuff is the thing that's going to kill you, right? The negative stuff was the tiger in the jungle that, that's going to eat you. <laughs> that's a good so point. We, we pay attention to that way more than we do. The positive stuff is disproportionate, but that weighs on you, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I've seen a lot of people who are like, I'm just so done with this, you know, with answering, like, angry questions from people. Like, what do you mean it's this price? What do you mean you don't have any? What do you mean I can only buy two? Like, nobody likes whatever your solution is. There's always going to be somebody who's like, why can't I just buy your whole stock? Or you're yeah. and or yeah. what do you mean you're just using it for events so you can build a community? That's not yeah. okay. I wanted, they don't I even like that. Remember. Oh man, it's yeah, like no, no, matter, no matter what your solution is, it, no matter what, no matter how you put your thumb on the scale to try and use your philosophy of retail to to build something here and that's what we're and that's what we're all trying to do that's what that's what this moment is is the moment where we coalesce the ravensburger disney lorcana community and it's like there's no there's no right answer because there's one of three choices ish and then that means that two-thirds of everyone is going to be cheesed about it you know (laughs) um and all i keep saying to everyone is Ravensburger is, I mean, I think that they're doing the right thing, which is that they're just printing up more and then they're going to pump that into the market, which I mean, I don't know that there will be a a little symbol on it. I think that's the, I think that's the controversy right now as to whether there's going to be a little symbol on it that shows that it's a reprint Mm -hmm. Um, because this is going to have a hugely deflationary value on, on open boxes and on singles and that's good for people who want to play the game and that's bad for people who have been hoarding packs, you know? Yeah. I think taking the investment part of the game would probably be a general good. I think that would probably, if we, if we could dissuade that for the most part, I think that would be generally good for communities at large. I know that's very difficult and almost impossible to really do. Right. Like there's like, like wizards faced this a long time ago, right. With the, with the reprint policy, like they, they had this, massive uproar when they reprinted what was it uh was it antiquities oh i can't remember the set but there was like way back in the you know the the fog of the early years of, of yeah. magic they they reprinted a set that was just basically all reprints of all these cards that were at the time really expensive and yeah. there were people who were like you're gonna get sued because i've invested tens of thousands of dollars in these pieces of cardboard and they basically came up with the reprint policy as a promise to these investors that they will never reprint certain cards and it'll protect the value of the things that you've spent money on. And I can see why you would do that, but I can also see like 
how much of a negative effect having that element in a collectible card game brings. Yeah. But you can also say to some extent, like in a smaller scale in some ways, a game store kind of benefits from the secondary market and having cards have, you know, different values based off of collectability and all this other stuff. So it's almost foundationally baked into the, the model. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's trouble either way, no matter what. It, it, it can, you know, authority games in Phoenix, we have two value locations, one, one in Tempe, one in Mesa, and we do a brisk singles trade. We do singles trade for uh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering. We do some One Piece, and we're um, branching into Lorcana. We will be doing Lorcana singles trade. And there's an element uh, that is very old to that, right? Like the, and the pre-Magic, the idea of going into a baseball card shop and being a little kid and pressing your face against the glass, and you're like, oh, wow, man, it's Pete Rose, <laughs> he's worth so much money or whatever, right? Like, I, I get so it. It's a rare, man. That's his rookie card. Like, I get, I mean, it's an old tradition. And it, of course, it makes money. It also costs money. You know, it's also, and there's a lot of card shops. There's, there's a lot of uh, game stores that don't do it. They just don't want it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, um, when you're taking it, when you take it on, one of the things that you're taking on is an element of goodwill with the community because you have to buy low and sell high. That's how, that's the only way you're going to make money on it. Right. And yeah. that creates a certain kind of tension. And that means, that means on some level you have to have on, on staff, like a professional haggler who, uh, yeah. who, who's, you know, you know, the meme, the, 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 the pawn guys meme, like best I yeah. can, best I can do is two bucks. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. a black Lotus or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have to, you have to introduce that into your shop. If you want to have that business. Um, and so I don't think it's necessarily an intrinsic part of game store world to have it. It's fine that people do, but you don't, have to you see what i'm saying you see what i'm saying for sure for sure but even if you don't deal in singles you do benefit from the fact that there is a secondary market for these cards because yeah. you know somebody buying packs they're like well, well you're right spend x dollars on it and hopefully i get some of that value back or yeah. you know, trade value like it's kind of built in right and it's almost impossible to get away from that and i that's just all wishful thinking on my part i feel like it would probably be uh, better in general because like that doesn't really exist as an element with say board games or Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons, right? There's right. No, like maybe some of like the older first edition stuff has this, you know, like if you found a first edition D and D book or something in, in mint condition, that would probably be quite valuable as a collectible. But generally speaking, people don't buy like Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition books because they're going to put them away in their, their closet and they're going to be worth way more in the future. It just doesn't happen yeah. that way. Yeah. Sounds funny to even hear you say that because the, these things, the the depreciation on things like role playing books and on miniatures games is actually kind of outrageous. And there's this kind of the only value that comes from them and from the collector point of view is this kind of like implied value of like, oh well, I I I remember 1982. I want to have all my books from 1982, but like. <laughs> Uh, I actually, I, I tell people like Warhammer is like one of the worst investments you can make in gaming. You bought, you pick up the new in box box set and you walk out the door and your value of it just falls like 25%. You 
You know, you, the yeah, good good luck. A lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the same as buying a car. Good good luck trading that that cello wrapped box of corn berserkers or whatever for the money you paid for it. It's only worth that much money inside the game store. I, I think that I personally think that's a better model for games. You know, I understand that sometimes because all gamers gripe, we all gripe. It's all we do. But uh, <laughs> like, I understand that sometimes role players, miniatures gamers, we feel like we're on a treadmill. Like I just bought corn berserkers and now, and now they resculpted them and the way look way better. I guess I gotta get rid of the old ones. I understand. I understand this feeling of like, uh, didn't I do this already? Um, but at the same time, the idea that there should be that when, when wizard says, Oh, we're going to have a no reprint list. And that part of the hobby is investing. I'm just kind of like, man, I have no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> that just sounds so terrible to me. Why in the name of God would you do that? That's just me. That's just me. That's just a personal opinion. Well, at least in Lorcana, they've, they have stated that there is no reprint policy. Like it just it, everything is free to be reprinted as much as we need to to make this thing work, right? There's no like, oh, we're never going to reprint, you know, this particular version of Mickey again. So this one's going to be, the, <laughs> you know, if you get one of these, it's going to go yeah. to the moon, right? No, it's, everything is fair game, which I think is a good move on their part. Agreed. You know, I mean, they can get their whole printing press rolling to the point where it works, and everything is, you know, they find that equilibrium between how much they need to make and how much they need to, you know. How much uh, people want to buy? Uh, I, I remember reading a uh, an explanation as to why there's this discontent between like the game stores and their customers, at least when it comes to the card game world, and it's because of this the uh, backpack trading kind of uh, element mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know as soon as you start going into singles and you start trading in singles, and the model requires you to buy low, sell high, like you said, you know you gotta you gotta work that. Uh, was the, the delta, right? You got to get that the difference for that to make sense mm-hmm. because you you can't run a business otherwise, right? You've got the overhead, you got employees, you got wages, you got all this stuff that you have to manage mm-hmm. and you need to make a profit. So that's just the model. But every single person who opens a box of magic is kind of in the same boat as you because you know they can trade, they can sell. There's nothing stopping them from doing the same thing. But there is this element of like, well, I could sell this on eBay myself for 50 bucks why would i sell it to you as the store for 25 right, you know, like, right. And, and there's this like well you trying to rip me off like I boo, you know like but <laughs> it's hard to see the guess, as a customer it's sometimes hard to see all of those background costs of like what it takes to even open your doors in the morning as a game store and that's they don't see that so it just feels bad when you're but, trading your cards to a store I, Even though it all mathematically works out, and it's not like they're getting super far ahead of you, you know, like right. they're not offering you two bucks for that black lotus. They're offering you a really fair price, most likely, right, for that card based off of how their operation works. Well, yeah, and I mean, the question is to what the fair price is because we all know that there's chiselers out there. We all know that there's a bunch of guys who are trying to drive hard bargains and stuff, and that's yeah. the element to me that is off-putting and that like. And that's where, and that to me is where like the, the real tension comes in. Yeah. Like if, if somebody like to, to people who don't, who go like, Oh, I could get 50 bucks for this online. And I do hear people say things like that in the store. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, 
Well, my friend, you just uh, what I would uh, say to you is please get a job in retail and just hold it down for like three months. You'll learn pay, uh, everything you need to know about how this works in three months. Because if you if you think you can get a better deal online, then by all means, make the eBay listing. Take the risk of some scammer trying to, to pwn you when you put it in the mail. Uh, go to the mail, drive to the post office, buy the packaging, which is money coming out of your wallet. Then you got to wrap it up. Then you got to sit there and watch the tracking. Those are all risks and uh, money draining activities that you as the guy don't have to do. That's why you're selling it to me at the store because then I'm going to do that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're, it's a fee you're paying to just get money up front, you know? And the fact yeah. that people don't see this, that they're like, oh, this card's worth 50 bucks, so you should give me 50 bucks for it. It's like, well, then what am I going to sell it for? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> give me a break. Come on. Yeah, I, I don't think most of the people are expecting to get full value because, you know, you I can sell it for 50, so you should buy it for 50, and you can sell it for 52 or whatever. And, like, that's where you make that's, <laughs> that's enough money for the store. You know, Whoa, that's good. That's a great I margin. I love it. <laughs> exactly. I don't think most people who are doing that transaction think that's the way it works. It's more just there is an element of like emotional discontent that just yes. doesn't feel great when you do it that way. Yeah. Because of, you know, we're just not great at uh, comparing costs. Like we're just right. not really good at that as a people. Right. So, but that only fuels the problem of like people feeling bad about how much they're paying for some of these things. And that again, this just all exacerbates the situation when you've got a really compressed or constrained supply and demand that is like 10 or 15 times whatever the thing is on the shelf, right? Like that's the lower kind of situation. And at least mm -hmm. that's the, mm -hmm. the uh, you know, the guesstimates, right? People are like, I, I've seen uh, stores say that they've, uh, they, they got 5% or whatever their, of their initial order, right? Like that's yeah. how much they were allocated down. I've right, heard so, I've heard these numbers is very disappointing. That didn't happen to us. Uh we did very well with it, but uh it's it, it, it those weeks leading up where you were seeing people posting their their emails online and they were like, "Oh, so sorry. You're you're getting pwned on this one." And it was just like, "Oh no, you know, reveal it's a sweat running down our faces." Yeah, nobody likes getting refunded off their pre-orders. Yeah. Like, that's that's again it's one of those situations that the game store who took your money does not want to give it back mm -hmm. like and they want to give you the product that you paid right. for oh. that's what they would prefer to do right they don't right. want to they don't want to issue the refund and the people who made the pre-order don't want to get refunded either because like mm -hmm. they would much rather have the thing in mm -hmm. their hand mm -hmm. and it's just it's, the, the unfortunate reality is that the retailer is the face the person yes. the game store is the face the the you know like the frontline retail worker who takes the brunt of the rage when it's not their fault, you know, like it's so far back up the chain that, you know, like no one's going to Ravensburger and, and really making these complaints. Like the average consumer is not going to Ravensburger and oh, sending them these angry emails. It's always the game store who is uh, the problem. I, I would be there. I would I would not switch spots with whoever's answering the Ravensburger emails right now. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure, their fair share. I'm sure they're getting their fair share. Uh I think I think the business that we're in is we're just in the fun business, right? That's what we're that's what we are. We have our jobs in a certain way is to create is to be these kind of Willy Wonka characters who yeah. create fun in our communities. 
and um, and that that word community that I keep coming back to because these games work when there's lots of people around to play them, which means we got to get people in the same room. We got to get them to get along, and situations like this interpose themselves between our ability to be ambassadors of fun and the people. And, and I think that's why there's, that's just another reason why there's just so much bad blood right now. And we're frustrated because we just, we, we just want you to have a good time. They're frustrated because they can't get the thing that they want. Ravensburg is frustrated that they have kind of mangled this thing from the jump. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's it's a bad scene and we can't do, we can't do our jobs in a certain way we can't we can't do the thing that we really want to do and people who are going online and they're writing posts like like we're all a bunch of quarks from quarks bar like rubbing our hands <laughs> together because we get to now we get to rinse you that's that's just not the case i mean that's just not that's not who we are and that's not what we want you know, that, that was yeah. never that was never the goal for this. No, yeah. every single game store owner would much rather have a near infinite supply of Lorcana to sell to people mm-hmm. at reasonable rates. You know, mm-hmm. MSRP were better, right? Like they would much rather just do infinite volume mm-hmm. and everyone be happy and get the cards that they want mm-hmm. rather than making, you know, okay, like, sure, they got a few boxes, they made a couple hundred bucks off of each one, but you know why sell five boxes at like five x? Yeah. So literally, like maybe a thousand at a normal rate, and just yeah. be happy with it, right? That yeah. would be way better of a situation. But like when when Lord of the Rings Magic came out, which was a huge hit this summer, and you can say like, oh, it was a huge hit because of the chase for the One Ring. Yeah, sure, that helped. Maybe but yeah, that that helped things. But but we sold just draft boosters that there was no chance of anybody getting the, the one ring in those just flying out the door, flying out the door, huge hit. It was a thing that people wanted and there was plenty to give them, you know? And that was, and that was, and that was great for everyone. People had fun with that set game stores. We had a good month. We had a great month based on what was going on with MTG and some other games at the time. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. I'm sure Wizards got their pound of flesh. Huzzah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the Hasbro investors were very happy with the uh, the crossover and everything. It was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hooray for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, the, one of the interesting things about the whole situation, though, is that like they might have underestimated demand you know, a lot, but mm-hmm. that's still probably the right move. So, like, there's a lot of, like, of the two options that they could have gone with. Okay, let's let's you know print at this level or let's print at like let's go nuts and we're gonna assume it's gonna be great. Yeah. Let's print ten times as much. Right. Just like, what if it just didn't quite pop off the way that it did, right? That ten oh. X could have been like, and now we're bankrupt. And now we're dead in the water and we cannot follow this up. We are putting the business at risk by right. going to that scale. Like you as a new card game, like how many card games have come and gone at this point? in the last like five years, right? Right. Tons, tons of them. And you, if they had, you know, really like gone hard on the printing initially, they could have just gone even faster, right? They could have just been, and we we made a bazillion boxes. Nobody wants them. They're not worth Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Stores are left holding the bag because, you know, 
like they bought the box at wholesale, but now it's worth a quarter of that price. So they don't want to get rid of it and just mm-hmm. take the loss. That stinks. So like there's, this is, I guess maybe this is the best version of the two possible like timelines of like, maybe there was one where they completely botched it and printed way too much and nobody's happy again, but now everyone <laughs> is out a crazy <laughs> amount of money. Whereas at least this situation, you know, they want to make sales, like they're out the opportunity cost, but they're not actually out cash or a cash yeah. on, the, on the product. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I got to respect Ravensburger for at least like doing the conservative thing, taking it slow, maybe too slow. Maybe that's the criticism. It's just too slow. But at least, I, I, at least that path is a long way or a long term potential future for the yeah. game. Yeah. And I've I've seen some sort of inside baseball stuff about game companies managing IP, right? And I think it's important when you're looking at Ravensburger to remember that they're under incredible pressure from the IP holders to um, deliver in certain ways, right? All of these contracts that are that where you where you make a deal with someone are have time limits based on them. Right. Like mm-hmm. you have X from the time that the ink starts to dry, you have next number of months to utilize that contract to make money using their idea. Right. Yeah. And so, um, Ravensburger had already accepted a ton of risk by doing this, you know? And so I can totally see them, looking at their numbers and thinking to themselves, well, where's our break even point? Like how, like, where's the, where's the tipping point? Where do we, where, where does this thing, where, where do we keep it safe and keep our, the future of our company safe, keep the future of our relationship with Disney safe. Right. But also we can build a viable product that people are going to like, that's going to have some staying power. Um, and that's going to sell and sell in volumes that, that keep it going. I mean, like the math behind that, the 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 risk tolerance behind that is so far beyond what those of us who just sit around at game stores and like we roll a d20 to hit an orc or something and we're like, oh, you know, oh boy, a 16 to 16 to hit. But like to be the kind of person who signs off and says, okay, Disney, you're getting a card game in X months. And then yeah. I, I'd just be drinking my land to every single night. You know, so so good yeah. on them for doing as well as they've done. I take your point yeah. completely. Yeah, and I think also uh, like this is through people who are not game store owners, people who are listening and are just part of the the, the gaming base who are just you know tagging along. We also have to factor in that this is like their first real crack at a trading card game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been different, perhaps, had like Hasbro gotten the you know the rights to make this thing. A reality right they've got sure. the experience they've got the capacity they've they've got a whole base of operations that they've been doing this forever right sure but like, ravens were gonna a reasonable job making a card game for the yeah. first time like they made something that was insanely popular which you know is awesome right but like that should be a factor of consideration They're like okay give them a yeah. little bit of leeway right? it's, give them time it's, to figure this out it's real nice like the like ravensburger one of the things that goes along with their products is that they're very aesthetically pleasing like they they bought all they made all new art they didn't just copy paste a bunch of stuff onto cheap cards 
cards are nice. They got that uh, environmentally friendly packaging that like reduces cellophane. Uh, even on the booster packs, like it's just, I mean, it's a really nice product to like interact with, you know, it's very, it's very pleasing to interact with. I, I, I don't know that someone else would have created that. I don't know that someone else would have made it, made something that is so like artistically pleasing to interact with so you know and they've been doing that I, remember the labyrinth board game I, I played that when i was like six or something you know they've been around a long time they know how to do this that's the thing that you go to ravensburger for and, and you're gonna get it you know now we've got and it's kind of interesting right because now we've got uh fantasy flight is ramping up their uh star wars card game star wars unlimited and that's this is a very interesting kind of apples to apples thing that we can compare mm-hmm. when that when that drops because again you have a a property that has a lot of cachet people are going to want it i think it's maybe cachet that's a little more tattered than what's going on with disney but yeah. it's uh something people are still going to want and it's a company that doesn't really do this stuff that much but um they're doing it so we'll see how that goes. And they, I mean, and they've and they've been kind of cool in releasing their beta documents and stuff. Have you looked at it at all? Have you looked at Star Wars Unlimited? I have only heard some of the uh, the initial news. I haven't actually looked at some of the internal stuff yet. Me neither. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for when it drops. I just want to see. I just want to see what happens. I want to see where it goes. You know. I, yeah, I, that I would hope... be a really interesting comparison. Right, I think it will be, and I'm I'm hoping that what it means is that there's not going to be a uh, Lorcana Star Wars set where they make all the Star Wars characters into chibis or something. I'm hoping that it's that the way that the contracts between FFG and Ravensburg are structured, it's like no FFG gets cards, Lorcana gets or uh, Ravensburger gets. You, 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 you see what i'm saying i'm, I'm, I'm losing i'm losing the script sorry but uh yeah like uh 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 yeah i i i really don't want to see uh darth vader and uh you know maleficent in a deck together <laughs> i still want to see it please uh yeah no that that's that's one of the more interesting questions about like the future of Lorcan. like what is it going to look like what is right. it like and it's funny because you mentioned before that like they did you know custom art for each car they invested right like the way that uh, magic did originally mm-hmm. they invested in their artwork and they invested in the artists and made sure well you know uh, depending on who you talk to but they invested in nice <laughs> art for the nice cards. like yeah that was one of the things that set it apart initially because not many games could do that at the time mm-hmm. but that became like the thing that almost defined magic in a lot of ways fantastic awesome fantasy art lorcana as has got you know really nice all the cards look really good like the card quality is really high the art's Mm -hmm. really pretty it's good stuff and uh you know they didn't just take screens from disney movies Mm -hmm. or whatever and then kind of like just throw it on there and they could have right that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of cash doing that Mm -hmm. most likely instead of commissioning all this original stuff uh but they went and they put the money into it and made it happen that way which is i think an excellent idea but the uh even just like the mechanics of the game or like the, the theme, the, you know, the whole, like it's the ink and you're an illumineer and it's, these aren't the Disney characters per se, but these are like illusions, the, the glimmers or whatever, right? These are versions of the car or versions of the character, the what ifs, mm-hmm. right? So the future of like what this, what Lorcana could be 
is incredibly expansive, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of the stuff for set two, the rise of the floodborn. Mm-hmm. I've seen it's a already like, you know, reimaginings of same classic characters. Like what if uh, Cinderella was a knight, you know, that kind of stuff. I mm-hmm. think that's a really cool way to do it. That's a really mm-hmm. interesting, like it keeps it fresh, but it keeps it within the same universe. Right. Mm-hmm. But Disney owns a lot of IP. <laughs> Oh my right, God. so much, so you know, much. It'd be really interesting to see. Like, I think the idea of like having Darth Vader on a Lorcana card is, you know, funny. Hopefully, they keep those two universes separate, just because of other licensing agreements. I would imagine that's probably the case. Yeah, it'd be really funny to see, you know, like other, uh, uh, well, like Harry and the Hendersons, Bigfoot, like you know, Lorcana. Like, oh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah, now that, yeah, I could get behind that. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, you know, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. That wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me at all. Like it might be that's yeah. the beyond you know twenty twenty yeah. version of uh, Lorcana Lorcana cards. But, I, but I know people do have so much potential. Oh yeah, and like. Uh, uh, it, People keep talking about when are they going to do Ducktales? When are they going to do Tailspin? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I loved yeah. that stuff when I was a kid. I loved it, and uh, I think that uh, when if slash when they finally start mining those some of those properties from like 30 years ago, I mean that's that's 30 years ago. They have like you were just saying they have so much, like um, the capacity for variety and to create kind of like pleasing nostalgic uh visits to uh an experience that you had when you were a kid um just infinite just infinite i mean so so i so i think that the game has legs i think that they'll i, th- I you know people keep them like oh well, scalpers are gonna destroy it ah nah i i'll no, see it's... again see you in 10 years we can have this conversation again you know yeah no the, i don't think the game's gonna go anywhere i think the the game is solid I think the team behind it is good. They put it a quality product. Mm-hmm. I think they're working out the kinks right now. They're figuring out, okay, what do we need to do to make sure that this, you know, rolls out steadily and everybody kind of eventually becomes happy with the way things are. <laughs> they're trying yeah. to work that out. And I think they're learning their lesson the hard way really fast. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, again, not, uh, most consumers, most card game players do not know the mechanics of how the game gets made. Not mm-hmm. really, right? They don't have no. no idea how long that supply chain is mm-hmm. and what that lead time looks like, right? And they're just mm-hmm. like, well, you just print more cards. How hard could it be, right? <laughs> well, you know, like there's only so many printing presses. There's uh-huh. only so many companies who can produce your card and they've got everything booked up for months and months based off of every other card game production company. You're like, yeah, you only buy so much space to get these things off the rolls, right? Like, yeah. The card game was released. Uh, oh, God, I gotta remember all, all the dates. It, I should have these in front of me. It was July, right? Yeah, no, or was it August? I can't, no, it was I like can't August twenty fourth yeah. or something like that. It's only been a little while. So, yeah. but the card game, yeah, it was like August fourteenth, I believe, and then it was like September first. It hit mass. That's when it hit Target and hit Walmart and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. LGS has had a two week window mm-hmm. to you know sell the product to the to the uh, to the community. And as far as we know, that's going to continue into the future. Every mm-hmm. set, LGSs are going to have their two-week window, sale window. Mm-hmm. But the uh, initially, they got super allocated, and everyone was thinking that you know Target's going to have hundreds of boxes, and that's where all of the stuff went. Mm-hmm. But the reality was, they actually got less than what the Hobby Channel did. 
-hmm. overall they got considerably less than what like all game stores combined got yeah that again is going to be the model going forward at least from what we've what we understand right now from what Mm -hmm. the ravensburger said the next wave of or like the reprint for the first set was supposed to hit around the same time as it was coming into the mass channel Mm-hmm. Like game stores were supposed uh, to get like about a month ago, they're supposed to get a, another wave of set one, but that got pushed back until sometime in October. We still don't really know what that situation necessarily is going to look like <laughs> numbers wise. There's still lots of bakeries, but like it, it's my twice. understanding. It's my understanding that that number is unbelievably low. So yeah, it's it's like you're going to get the up. same or less than what you got last time. It's not like it's going to be all of a sudden this infinite right. number. Right, but also at least uh, from what we've we've heard, because people are like, "Well, what is going on?" Right? Uh, they're trying to make it so that they will be reprinting wave one or set one. Mm-hmm. They will have more product eventually, but that might not be until you know spring twenty twenty four. Right? We're mm-hmm. still talking six months out, and that's because of the reality of just how long it takes to to get the stuff created. But eventually, that will settle. Eventually. They will find that equilibrium. Mm-hmm. You know, and spring, spring, spring 2024 is not that long from now. It, you know, yeah. like, like we're all in a tizzy right now. And I understand how it is when one of your games is grinding along and uh, it feels if you have feel bads for it. I understand how that can seem interminable. But like in a couple years, none of us will remember this you know i mean we'll remember the kerfuffle but we but like it will all seem very remote and like yeah inconsequential because it actually is you're gonna get your cards you're gonna get your cards they're coming out yeah yeah so if you're if you're really feeling like you've just been you know like you wanted this thing it just didn't happen if you're in that camp and you're angry like realize that eventually this will work out and you will get what you want you will get at a reasonable price you might just have to wait a little bit longer than you initially thought. Right. So everyone just needs right. to chill out. And like, right. that's, right. that's part of it. And, and, and you know what? Counter, like, it's the same kind of thing. Eventually, the, the negative voices will, will, will calm down. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the fury won't be there. Take it with a grain of salt anyways, because it's not your fault. You know, like you got to do what you got to do to make the business work. If you got to sell and, you know, you got to sell at a certain rate. Like I have a lot of sympathy for the stores that like, I, you know, the market rate is this make my money while I can, you know, like I get it, whatever path you choose, you know, know that some people are not going to be happy, but do the thing that you've got to do to take care of your business, to make sure that it's uh, still going to be there for two, three, four years. You know, when the community finally wants the thing that you have to sell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a tough spot. it's a tough spot, but like, I feel like the future is bright when it comes to Lorcana. I think mm-hmm. if, you know, something catastrophic doesn't happen, this thing is going to just, it's going to, it's going to hammer out the you know the imperfections in their process. They'll get there eventually, and in the meantime, enjoy it when you can, right? Like, or you know, play something else. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. There's a wide world of other games to get into. Like, you, you know, uh, One Piece. The six months ago was having real problems meeting supply and demand uh, forces pressures. Uh, seems to have evened itself out. A reprint of. Um, Pillars of Strength, I think, just came out. And then the new, like, K- 
Kingdom of Intrigue. I can't, I can't remember the names. I'm sorry. Uh, I actually I actually kind of collect One Piece, and I just can't remember the names. Um, they all are kind of similar to me. But um, the One Piece is on track now, and 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 the One Piece market being completely gridlocked that was six months ago is now over, right? And now we have this new thing that's gridlocked and we can all wring our hands about. But One Piece is a great game. And the Netflix show is really fun, and so play some play some One Piece. Market the market value is the same as MSRP on those packs right now at your game store. You know, plenty exactly. of them. so many great options, so many great options, so many. But as a store owner, so like store owners thing, we're, we've been having most of this conversation directed towards the consumer, towards the person. Yeah, who's like, I'm, yeah. I want my cards. I want to play my cards. As a store owner who's listening to this, what would you tell them? And like how to move forward. How would how should they respond to the situation and make the most out of whatever they do get? What is your recommendation? I mean, my recommendation, and I'm a marketer. I'm not an owner. I'm a marketer. And my so my whole job, and a lot of people don't understand this about marketing. My whole job is to get you into the store. It's to get someone into the store. And then when I have got someone across the threshold, I'm passing the baton to you to create an amazing customer service experience and to sell product, all right? So if you're a store owner, right now is a time to be making the very best community experiences that you can make. And I don't know what that looks like in terms of what you have on hand, all right? But you're going to have a lot more resources in six months. And right now, right now it's time for a little bit of kind of like, sweat equity kind of elbow grease a little bit of kind of diy thinking about like how do i take a situation that feels very crass very consumerist very kind of like late stage capitalism and how do i take that how do i how do i create a barrier between the person that's in my store experiencing those feelings and make and this is gonna sound corny because it's disney and shit but like how do i make this magical how do I make this magical? Because every kid who is popping packs for the first time or who's building decks and meeting new people for the first time, they will remember this. They will remember this for decades. I'm like, this is what we do. This is what we do. So you got to – you that that – is the thing that I think we need to focus on and that we forget about because of all this noise and all these pictures of empty target racks and stuff is that it's about coming into the game store and meeting people and having fun, you know? Yeah. So make as great an experience as you can in the store for people that are with you, that want to be with you, that want to participate and play and have fun. Make that as great as you can. Yeah, and I think uh, I think another just general piece of advice. I know it's challenging because so much of what we do happens online now. Like you just mm-hmm. kind of have to be plugged in in some sense for that to work. Uh, but stop paying attention. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember what they somebody said it in a uh, oh, in a thread recently. But like the one of the most important things you can do is listen to your customers, and one of the worst things you can do is listen to your customers. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's both. Right. But like the idea of like, okay, stop, stop participating in the, the fruitless negative conversations that happen online, and especially that tend to happen online. 
certain spaces are just known for, you know, saltiness and toxicity. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be there. You don't have to listen to those voices, especially mm-hmm. if they're not part of your local community, right? Mm-hmm. They're not your customers. They're just people raging. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about those people. Pay pay attention to the people who are, you know, enjoying themselves, who really like what you're putting, what kind of experience you're putting into the community. Th- those customers, take care of them. Focus mm-hmm. on them. Tune out some of the noise online. I think most people would probably be a lot happier if they like, especially like certain things like Facebook and Twitter and whatever, like mm-hmm. unplug from those spaces uh, just a little bit more than you probably are right now. And you might find yourself just fe- feeling a little bit better overall about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, maybe it won't be such a, so much of an issue, right? You don't hear the, the screeching. Per yeah, se, yeah right? exactly. Exactly. And like the, the phone calls will die down. That's the, that's the other thing. People were like, you know, man, I hate you. Like, like those will eventually stop. Boy, you know? That's just a couple. Of, oh, a couple of this too shall pass. Yeah, this too shall pass. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a tough situation, but I feel like the, uh, the long-term potential is there. It's just we got to get through this initial real bumpy ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is bumpy, and there are feelings, and uh, and, and we're just going to get through it, and we're going to get through it, and uh, yeah, yeah. And then this will all be of something that we can reminisce over in a few years. Yeah, yeah I hope so. <laughs> uh, it's funny, too, because uh, like you mentioned the whole marketing aspect of things, and like your job is to get people in the store. And I was really excited when like Lorcana was first announced and like mm-hmm. the, the, the hype and people started talking about it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to use this so well to get people into the store. And then it became this like, well, don't even mention it because you do not want to talk about yeah. the fact that like, I'm going to even carry this product because it's already sold out. I don't want it. I don't want anyone yeah. to have it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It backfired. Like this could have been the best, like oh, this could have been so great for getting a whole new community, a whole new base of customers into like every single game store. People who had never heard of a game store would be coming in to play Lorcana, right? But, and we just couldn't couldn't put it off. Couldn't do it. Hopefully and that's it something will. we'll future, And it will, you know? Um, and it will. We're, it, we just, it's just, you know, not today. <laughs> not today. This is one of those things where we're just going to have to, we kind of just, you know, we're talking about games, right? And sometimes when you're playing games, you're getting L's and you're getting W's. And today we're getting an L. And uh, that, how we respond to that is like one of the things that gaming teaches us. Mm-hmm. And so today is a day where we just have to smile and shake on it and know that there's going to be another one tomorrow. You know, we're going to be maybe then, you know? Yeah, no, I think that is a... Uh... That is a great piece of advice. And that, again, that's one of the things that I feel as a gamer has been something extremely beneficial. Like, that's the reason why, you know, some parents put their kids into baseball and sports, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not so much the fitness and the, the you know, the friendship and the strategy. Like, oh, that's great. But it's training and teaching people, you know, like how to respond to loss, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going to lose. You are going to lose in life. You're going to lose frequently. You're going to fail often. There's going to be things that you just, you know, just do not go your way. But how you respond is like one of the foundational skills that will lead to success later on, right? Mm-hmm. Either, you know, oh, I got 
and I got beat up. This, this, I lost my soccer game. I'm never playing again. Right. Well, that's one way of responding, but you're never going to get better if you do that. Exactly. Like, like, like exactly. That's one of the key lessons of playing games is that mm-hmm. you learn how to lose. You learn how to win in the future, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. yeah, right now, right now it's right now. It's not great, but <laughs> hopefully Ravensburger, they learned their lesson. Hopefully everybody else, you know, learns, okay, well then maybe this is what we can do in the future. They like lessons learned. Hopefully will lead to great things in the future. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to chat about? We, we've been rolling on Larkana for like a good uh, hour and a bit now. Well, uh, I just probably kind of, you know, I don't know. As long as I'm here, I'd probably just say something like, um, you know, uh, we got, we got a lot going on in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, you know, uh, we got a lot of game stores and, uh, I, I think that I'm very fortunate in a sense to be marketing in such a, uh, like, um, uh, competitive environment because our environment is very competitive now. It's a big city and we have a lot of stores and a lot of stores jostling up against each other. And it's, uh, great to see what everybody's doing. And, uh, you should come out to Phoenix. If you're a game store owner, you should come out to Phoenix. You should check us out. Come and, I, and of course, come check out authority games in Tempe and in Mesa. And if you're in town, reach out to me at authority games and, uh, let's do lunch and talk or whatever. That sounds great. That sounds fun, but check out what we're doing here in Phoenix. We, I don't know if you guys are familiar with gamers guild, huge, huge, uh, online game store that's in Phoenix. They're in our backyard. Uh, we got a lot of really cool local shops, like cool mom and pop shops doing interesting stuff. And then, um, it's my understanding that we got one of them, uh, mocks boarding houses or whatever they're called coming in and no, one uh, of those guys one of those one of those things so yikes uh we'll see how that goes you know um but it's a it's an interesting environment and if you're if you're looking i i look, i travel and when i go to different cities i like to check out the game stores i think that because of the sort of unique forces that we have here in phoenix in terms of just the unbelievably hot summers and the uh unbelievably cheap uh, up until very recently real estate um, we have some just absolutely amazing game stores that are and, and game that, that, that have to then compete with each other. So, um, so come on, come on down to Phoenix, Arizona. Come on down to Phoenix, Arizona, where it all goes down. Check us out. Check us out, world. Yeah, see, see what's happening. It's cracking. Think, yeah, and I, I know a lot of uh, a lot of store owners maybe lament the fact that there are so many other stores in existence nowadays. Like it's just. It's a boom for for game stores. It seems like right. There is a boom uh, but, going on, but that. Yeah. But uh, you know what? A uh, a, ru- a rusty draw- knife uh, can't draw fresh blood. So uh, iron sharpens iron. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, th- we're capitalists. We're doing capitalism here, and that requires competition. So don't. And just 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 this goes back to this to the winning thing, like. Step step your game up. You know this is a great opportunity to step your game up. This is a great opportunity to uh, get inspired and look around at what is going on in your area, and think about what it takes to be the best. Um, and I'm not saying 
be like some Cobra Kai guy and try and run everybody else out of business. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying if you run the best game store in your area, the other game stores in your area will take note and then they will become better. And then you have to become better. And then, and then, and then what happens? Then you, then, then you have amazing game stores. I mean, what, what a switch, what a switch that is from the dialogue of just a few years ago of, Game stores are like rancid hives of scum and villainy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, what a switch. I love it. Now's a great time. I think there's certainly the argument of like too many in one space can be problematic. That can be an issue. But I think also like just imagine if, you know, there's you've got a really big metro area and there's too many, you know, to quote some people game stores in one area but what if all of them are doing a great job every store is an excellent experience and has a community that they're building around it you are amplifying like you are benefiting from their efforts as well as a store owner you can benefit from everyone else being better right you can also you can also work together not everybody uh in the game store space has to like you know cut each other's throats or anything like that we all we can be lots of friends you know, yeah. there's there's allies in this business. Like, there's lots of ways to do this where everybody can win and win more than you could on your own potentially. Like, you don't have to, you know. Yeah, like I feel like having a generally uh, more exposure of the hobby to a wider yes. group of people and everybody doing it better. Generally speaking, like everyone's kind of figuring it out. I think game stores, on the whole, have risen. Have standards have gone up over the last few years. I think that's only a good thing for the most part. And I feel like everyone, if we kind of get through this period of tumultuous change, I think it's going to go, I think it could be really good on the other end. I think, you know, one year from now, we might be having a very different conversation as to uh, how things played out and how people feel about certain conditions. 100%, 100%. I agree. I think on that positive note, I think it's a great place. To, <laughs> yeah. To end on a high of. note. End on a high note, like George Costanza. Exactly. End on, end on the positive note. Let's uh, call it an episode. I really appreciate you coming on again. Thanks you know, for having me. Conversation again. Hopefully we can uh, figure this out with uh, the uh, other guys at some yeah. point in the near future, because that'd be great, yeah. too. Yeah, well, I'm I'm available. I'm sorry, I've been uh, in and out. Uh, I'm doing my best. I'll uh, just stay, stay, uh, stay at me, and uh, we'll just uh, we'll do this again soon. I can't wait. We will 100. Uh, percent Before we go, where can people connect with you? Give them one more plug to to reach out to. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I my name is Brendan Carrion. I do uh, marketing at Authoria Games in. Um, uh tempe and mesa arizona and uh you know i run our instagram so if it's just it's just at authoria games and that's a t h o r i a if that's not this might not be the most intuitive thing so it's authoria games on instagram you can find us on facebook i also manage that community and uh you can reach me there uh you can also reach me at my own instagram which is uh uh at death by roleplaying so uh yeah, hit me up. Hit me up anytime. I'm, I'm, oh, I love to talk about this stuff. So hit me up. Awesome. All right, we'll talk to everybody again in the next episode. See you again next time. A digital marketing strategy is crucial to your game store's success. In order to grow, you need to get your store in front of new customers, and the most effective way to do that is online using strategies like Google Ads, email marketing, social media, and content marketing. 
And this is where the Maniverse Marketing Agency comes in. We bring in new customers to your online store and your physical storefront using a comprehensive digital marketing strategy that we build around your brand and existing operation and then implement for you. Book a 30-minute strategy session today with us to get your game store marketing plan created for free. It's yours to keep either way, so we have nothing, literally nothing to lose. Go to maniversaga.com forward slash MMA to book your call, and let's take your game store to the next level. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I want to thank Brandon Carrion for coming back on to this podcast and again, sharing his wisdom and his insight and his humor and his time with us. I really appreciate it, and I recommend that you uh, you definitely reach out and uh, connect with Brandon because he's a smart guy and he knows what's going on. But thanks again for listening to today's show. I'm Tom Traplin. I've been your host, and I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast.